Hall for Katoa. Touchdown, Lapini. His 24th career touchdown. BYU's going to keep the offense on the field. Go for it on fourth down and three. Howie leads into blocking position. Algier. Straight ahead. Touchdown. He's number one in the country rushing touchdowns. He's got 17 in the first one today. Over the middle. Wrestle for it with Criddle. Criddle may have come down with it. Interception! Matt Little got his start today, and now he's got it the first interception of the season. Take the handoff. Bonner wants to throw. Bonner wants it all. Looking deep, looking for his man. In his oh, what a catch! Oh my gosh! Holy smokes! Devin Tompkins all the way down to the New Mexico 42 yard line. He's Houdini. Don't give it to Noah. Noah dances forward, gets to the one. Does he get in? Yes, he does! Touchdown, Utah State. Hell, Elliot Noah gets the score, and the Aggies starting to pull ahead of New Mexico State here in the third. Three receivers to the far, one to the near. Can the Aggies get the three and out? Pressure right up the middle of the field. Tripped up behind the line of scrimmage. Another sack behind the line. And coming off, Byron Vons trips up Jonah Johnson, and the Aggies get off the field. Yes, sir. That's that play you wanted to see. He'll take the step back jumper and knock it down. Another three. Smooth as silk. From 35 pickles to climb. Donovan Mitchell has 11 points in five minutes. In the lane, scoops underneath the white side. Ball takes Turner into the air and then dumps it. Brennan played a single year two. Drives the lane to the basket. White side hovering. White side rejects it. And Whiteside's got the crowd going, his head bobbing. We know we ain't gonna fight. Guys need to stop acting like they're gonna fight because they know that in two seconds there's gonna be 20 security guards in between us and they know that okay, it's cool for the cameras but they know we aren't gonna fight. So, like guys that are not about, about their life need to stop acting like they are. I keep my head cool because I, you know, I have a lot of self-control. If I don't feel threatened, I'm not gonna you know, throw a punch and get suspended and hurt my team. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope y'all are doing great out there, and I think we are about that life. Hopefully, uh, Rudy Gobert there coming in and crazy stuff the other night with the Utah Jazz. But welcome on into the Saturday show. I'm Jay Catch. Hope you guys are all doing great out there wherever you might be. Got a busy day ahead here on the Zone Sports Network. We got the Saturday show starting up right now. It'll be an abbreviated edition of the show because at the top of the hour, the eleven o'clock hour. We transition into the Ute pregame show. Uh, get you ready for Utah and Arizona, a noon kickoff. A little bit surprising to see that early in the day, but when you're on the Pac-12 network, you can move things around a little bit and have some fun. You got Jeremy Moss uh, behind the glass helping me out today producing, so thank you to Jeremy for joining us, and once again, thank you for all of you for tuning in. And I think the biggest thing with what we got going on right now is looking at the Utah Jazz. They are going to be in action this afternoon, so... Like I mentioned, we're going to go Saturday show from 10 to 11. You pregame show from 11 to noon. Obviously, we will uh, then have the Utah Jazz, Jazz Game Night pregame show, even though it's the Jazz Afternoon pregame show, beginning at 2 p.m. Full play-by-play coverage of the game live from here at Vivint Arena, beginning at 3 o'clock. So we got you covered top to bottom. And late night tonight, if you're looking to do that, you've got Utah State and San Jose State playing 
out in uh, San Jose. Scott Gerrard will be on the call for that. Pre-game for that begins at 7.30. So, as I mentioned, absolutely packed day. But first off, Jeremy, how are you, my friend? Let me put this stuff on here so I can hear you. <laughs> it's okay. How are you, sir? Doing good. How are That's you? Doing all right. Thanks for uh, stopping by this morning. It's been uh, and the funny thing is, we just so this is the second week, by the way. The Saturday show has been moved to this new time slot, so we are in the ten to noon slot. And uh, I, oh, I also be remiss of me if I don't remind everybody, we are brought to you by Mountainland Supply, our proud presenting sponsor here on the Saturday show. Glad to have them on board. And uh, Jeremy, I got to ask you this though: you guys have made the transition from. Uh, you guys have made the transition from Unrivaled being at night to now the afternoon drive show. And you've also moved from Broadcast House across the street from over here, yeah. over here to Vivint Arena. How's the transition been for you? It's across the street, so it's nice and easy. <laughs> it's not like a big change. Sure. Done early. I'm not home at like, let's see. If I, I take Front Runner a ton, so okay. I'm not home at 11 o'clock. Okay. So I get home earlier, so I sort of have a nightlife or stuff to do and see kids and stuff when I get home. All right. Get home about 8 o'clock. So it's nicer. It's an extra hour. Sure. Which is fun because there's so many, in two hours, there's so much we miss or can't get to. Yeah. And there's also news that happens during our show, like the jazz um, fines and stuff yesterday came yeah. out like right at the end. So when we're at, when we're at seven to nine, just game talk. There's hardly any breaking news because if it's late at night, it's kind of bad news. If it typically happens, it's not the best. Yeah. But we'll get the oh, it's three o'clock, four o'clock. Stuff's happening. Games are starting. So that's we a, have news breaking. We yeah, can talk about. So it's yeah. like I got to pay attention. But no, it's good. It's a it's a good transition meeting meeting you more because we've known each other for a while. Sure. Yeah. Other people hanging out. Everybody else here on the staff and everything. But it's uh, so far so good. Yeah, no, it's but it's, it's I'm sure it's been a little bit different, and whatnot, because you guys' format. Because you mentioned the fact that you actually can go go and have a life a little bit, because you guys were working at night, so it's fun to have you guys over here, and we're having fun with this with all this transition going on. So, uh, thank you to all of you for joining us. But you guys know how we do here on the Saturday show, and let's get going here. Let's talk about what is the big deal. See, Jake, I messed up here. I sent what was supposed to happen, <laughs> and I'm looking for. I'm like, oh, Eric sent me all this stuff. We're good. We got it taken care of. And now this is making you sound terrible because I cannot find what I'm looking for. It's all good. All right. Oh my goodness, this is embarrassing. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, so it, it's it's the it's the Ron Burgundy thing. Hey, I'm a big deal, and that's the, that's the thing about it, Eric. Do when you, you know who yeah, I there am. we go, right there. Here we no, go. No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment. Smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, what's the big deal? Means uh, obviously the big stories of the day, and obviously there's a lot going on. It's a Saturday. It's a game day. There's plenty to talk about on that front. Uh, and the the biggest thing, the big deal today, we're going to start off is with the Utah Jazz. They are going to be in action this afternoon against the uh, Miami Heat. And it's a big game. Uh, obviously, the Utah Jazz having lost three of their last four. They sit in eight and four on the season. And they are uh, going to face Miami team who beat them last time they squared off last week. And it was a good game. Full-strength Jazz against full-strength Miami. Both of them considered to be uh, contenders in their respective conferences. And the, the biggest thing with the Utah Jazz right now is they come in stumbling a little bit, having lost three of their last four. They lost the back-to-back games down in Florida. And the the biggest 
thing I noticed in that run for the Utah Jazz was them losing to Miami Heat. Okay, that was a loss, but they battled back. They nearly pulled off a big comeback to beat the Heat in Miami. And then I felt like after all they exerted that night, they go into the next night on a back-to-back in Orlando against the Magic, and that's a game that you should have won. Orlando is not great. They're still very much in rebuild mode. They have a new coach. They're trying to reestablish a new culture. But it felt like in that game, the Utah Jazz ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. And credit to the Magic. Uh, Cole Anthony took over. I think scored a career-high points-wise, 33 points in that win. And he uh, really took things over. And that is the biggest thing is that the Utah Jazz dropped that game. And that was a disappointing loss. They came home and battled the pretty good Hawks team. And I felt like showed what they are capable of coming back home, getting settled into the routine because they're going to be home a lot over the over the rest of this month, essentially. But then the concern was against the Pacers on Thursday night, absolutely struggling. And obviously that was compounded by the fact that there were three guys who were ejected in this game, Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert getting into a tussle. Uh, you can call it a kerfuffle. You can call it the fracas, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the thing about it was they were ejected after on-court scuffle. Joe Ingles comes flying in, and uh, right before we went went live, we were actually talking about the fact that Joe Ingles wasn't suspended, Jeremy and I, and a little bit surprising because he did. He, he he ran over, and he put a full, it felt like two-hand shove into Ed Malloy, one of the game officials, actually the lead official for this game. Uh, and then also Donovan Mitchell, he was hot. He was spitting fire, going after guys, did not calm down. So all three of those Jazz players ejected alongside Miles Turner. And the crazy thing about all of this is out of this, and Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong here on this, all four players, no suspensions, all of them fined. Is that correct? Yeah, somewhere between twenty and 50000 Yeah, Even Ingles, which is weird because you saw the video where he kind of Oh, you touch a ref, it's like, no, Yeah, you make, you make contact with an official. You, it's like almost an automatic suspension. And it suspension. wasn't inadvertent. You kind of ran through just a two-handed push to whoever's in my way. I'm going to get you out of there. <laughs> I was surprised Joe did not get dinged for that one. So, yeah, no, no, no suspensions. So that's the good news. The Utah Jazz, in theory, should be at full strength going into their game today against the Miami Heat. The, the, the issue is, though, the Jazz suddenly are facing a lot of question marks having dropped three of four. They started the season very, very well, and they beat up on some teams that are, I guess, quote-unquote lesser than. You look at the run to start the season. Okay, Pelicans. Okay, the Bucks was a good win. To, to, oh, excuse me, not the Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks was a good win, but you look at the other games in here. They beat the Nuggets. Okay, you can count that as a good win, but Rockets, Thunder, Kings, Kings, Hawks, they, they're, they're not necessarily the murderer's row of opponents. But recently, having dropped three of four, the Utah Jazz obviously are facing all kinds of questions now. Can they rebound against the Miami Heat? This game is going to be on AT&T Sportsnet and NBA TV. It's a 3 o'clock start as it is the quote-unquote primetime game or the highlight game that's being aired all over Europe. The NBA trying to continue to make inroads into the uh, into the European market. And I'm excited to see how the Jazz do in this game because – They've got a lot of question marks around them. The biggest thing right now is the fact that the Jazz, they have lost three of four, and there are a lot of people out there saying, well, they can't shoot. Well, the shooting numbers are indicate as such. This is one of the best shooting teams last year for the Utah Jazz. They shot a pretty good clip last year, but this season so far, three-point percentage as a team, 32.1%. Donovan Mitchell, 32.2%. Bogey, 32.3%. And we're actually going to hear from Boyan Bogdanovich here in a little bit. 
Uh, the two guys who are standing out are kind of hitting their numbers that we expect them to hit, Mike Conley and Joe Ingles. But the rest of the roster, Jordan Clarkson, 23.4%. Royce O'Neal, 31.1%. Eric Pascal, who actually has been a pretty decent three-point shooter, feels like he hits big threes when he needs to in games. He's only shooting 28.6%. So the Utah Jazz, had they not had Joe Ingles shooting 42.1% and Mike Conley shooting 43.1% from beyond the arc, that is where the big concern is for the Utah Jazz. If those two were not hitting above 40%, how bad would the Utah Jazz shooting percentage be from beyond the arc? It would not be pretty, and they absolutely need to get that corrected. The good news is for the Jazz, I think by and large, the defense has been pretty solid albeit they have lost three of the last four, and that sounds like an oxymoron, but you've held Miami to 111 points. You held the Hawks to 98. You held the Magic to 107. The Miami Heat, 118. Okay, not great, but you were on the road in that case, and you scored 115 points. You need to see the offense get going here, and I'd like to see the Utah Jazz, if they're not going to be making threes from beyond the arc, and I know this is something that if I were asked this, to, if, I, if I were to question Quinn Snyder on this, he'd absolutely uh, probably light me up on this, but I am a guy who's kind of old school when it comes to watching basketball. I'm a child of the 90s. I watched the NBA in that era. And the three-point shot was not as prevalent back then as it is now. It had not necessarily the statistics revolution, the analytics hadn't taken over and shown that a three is more valuable than a two. I think of the common sense, obviously, three is more than two, obviously, but making it at a clip that makes it worth it, that didn't necessarily, I think, uh, resonate with people in the 1990s. But it felt like teams back then, if their outside shot was not falling, they went to the rack. They went to the rim. And we all know that in this modern era of the NBA, by and large, every team, there are two options, it feels like, for guys on each team. It's either you go to the rack, you get the two points right at the rim, or you shoot the three. I like that because I, I agree. A long two does essentially nothing for you. It doesn't get you what you're looking for, and you're 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 analytically and I guess the metrics say that you're actually being not as efficient as you could be but I am of the opinion a guy like let's say Jordan Clarkson and Jordan's an easy target to make because he is a guy that's a very much streak shooter when he's on he's the flamethrower we see those shirts that people wear he's absolutely lighting it up when he is on but too much too often early this season he has not been on he has not been able to get the I guess, requisite shots he's needed to be an effective three-point shooter and be the guy that keeps defenses honest. I will give him credit. There have been times in games where he has gone to the hole and tried to score at the rim and tried to get himself going that way. I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see more of that from the entire Utah Jazz team right now, especially if the three-point shooting is going to continue to be an issue for this team. I have faith, because this is too good a shooting a team. I, I feel like the roster as constructed, they are shooting well below what they are capable of, capable of as a team shooting the three. I believe that they will get things turned around. The Utah Jazz, we all know this, under Quinn Snyder, especially in the last four to five years, they've been a notoriously slow starter. So a hot start this season was kind of the antithesis of what they typically have done. They've kind of been a slow starting team where they start slow, they kind of scuffle along through the months of October, November, and December, it feels like. But in the back half of the season, they turn it on, they make a run, and they get into the playoffs, and they feel like they're, they're riding high. 
the when they started as hot as they did this season, it felt like, okay, maybe they just kind of picked up some momentum from where they left off last year, and they didn't necessarily need to have that slow start. Well, maybe that slow start just is coming now, whereas the early slate of games for the Utah Jazz, it wasn't, as I mentioned, a murderer's row of contenders. Were there some good wins in there? Absolutely. You going to Milwaukee and beating the Bucks is a big win. I know that Milwaukee didn't have guys like Chris Middleton, etc., in that game, Brooke Lopez. But you still, you go and beat the defending champions on their home floor, you take that win. They also beat the Denver Nuggets in a high-profile game. Nikola Jokic left that game early after bumping knees with Rudy Gobert. He was off to a flying start when he left that game. But I feel like with the Utah Jazz, if they can, uh, if they can get their three-point shooting going eventually, they'll be just fine. I, I've got no concern about the fact of them getting the three-point shooting going. My bigger concern is the fact in the interim can they manufacture buckets? Can you run sets to get you guys buckets to the rim? Can you continue to have Rudy absolutely rocking the rim with lobs, dunks? Can Joe Ingles, can Mike Conley, can Donovan Mitchell go to the rack and score easy twos? That's what I think you need to start to manufacture if your three-point shoot, three-point shot is not going to fall. If it falls, great. You're back to playing your regular offense. You're running pick and rolls. You're lighting up from all over the court. You're passing out to the corner. Guys like Jordan Clarks and Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, they're hitting threes. Well, guess what? You're going to be right back to playing Utah Jazz basketball as we've known it for the better part of the last three to four seasons. My concern is if that three-point shot is not falling as it's happened far too often early this season, especially in the last three to four games where they've dropped three of four, okay, you got to start manufacturing buckets. We'll find out this afternoon as they get ready. All right, Jeremy, let's hit our second topic here. Don't worry. All right, let's talk some college football. Obviously, uh, football just underway around the country. The noon Eastern time games, 10 a.m. games here along the Wasatch Front underway. And obviously, it's going to be a full day of football. Locally, though, we've got a game coming up at noon with Utah headed to Tucson to take on the Arizona Wildcats. And Arizona coming off a thrilling 10-3 victory over the Cal Golden Bears for their first win of the season. Jed Fish finally off the schneid here. Uh and Jeremy, you know this better than I do. I know you're a big college football guy. UNLV was the last team that hadn't won a game, and they won last week, if I recall correctly, alongside Arizona. Yeah, they right? beat New Mexico, got Marcus Arroyo's first ever victory. Okay, it wasn't a 20 game losing streak. I think it was like 14 or they, something. They had the but because they had Arizona had won earlier in the day, and UNLV was technically waiting. yeah sure it was it was kind of <laughs> offset by a little bit, but. So there are no winless teams in the FBS ranks this year. That's the good news. But Utah is headed to Tucson here. And any combination, the way I understand it, of a Utah win combined with another Arizona State loss locks up the Pac-12 South Division for Utah. Am I right about that? Yeah, because they have the uh, the, the tiebreaker tie for the win yeah. and their one-up-and-loss column. So, yeah, yeah. They, they got it. It's it's. It's all good, right? It's any yeah, it's any combination of a win and a loss. And the good news for Utah is you've got Arizona today. You've also got Colorado in the regular season finale. And those look like two layup wins. And I know that saying layup wins sounds like, well, you you go out there and prove it on the f- – trust me. We've seen Arizona. We've seen enough of Colorado this year that those should be wins for Utah. The big question mark, obviously, is next week's game against Oregon here at Rice Eccles Stadium. But – The game today, the game at hand, is the Arizona game, and the Utes are headed to Tucson with all intentions of going down there, taking care of business, running all over the Arizona Wildcats, and coming back to Salt Lake City with a victory. If Arizona State does lose today, I believe they are taking on Washington. That would lock up the South Division. And the nice part is that at that point, Utah can begin preparations for heading to Las Vegas the first week of December, and that's that's a big deal for the Utes. 
I think this is a game that Utah should go in there brimming with confidence because it took Arizona having to play against a severely depleted Cal team, some like 40-some-odd players unavailable for the Cal Bears. And by the way, the COVID issues for Cal have necessitated they actually postponed this week's game against USC for the Bears. They're going to be playing that game on December 4th, the same weekend that the Pac-12 championship game is being held. So the fact that Arizona could barely beat a severely depleted Cal team It just screams to me, Utah is walking into this. They're going to roll to a victory and then fly home celebrating mid-afternoon. That the, the best news out of this, Jeremy, is the fact that we don't have to wait till 8.30 tonight to watch this game go down. Like, yeah, that Stanford game was exciting for all the sure. points. But I'm like, it's 12, 11.30, 12.30. Oh I'm gosh. like, I wasn't working that night, so I was good. But I still, know. I was there. I, I wasn't working either, but I, it was over in the first quarter. Like, you should have just gone. Yeah. Was it 28 or something like that? It, it was ridiculous. Just... I'm like, great. I watched a little bit of it. I'm like, they're going to win. No point to keep going. Oh, yeah. So, it, yeah. It was as thorough a beatdown as I've seen. And by the way, Stanford. I don't know what's up with David Shaw's program. They've got a lot of question marks surrounding that team, but Utah just absolutely laid the hammer on them. And that I was impressed, but I'm with you. It was just like, okay, we have to wait, we have to stay up and watch this till midnight. Really, we have to just watch this thing. You don't, you know, you don't have to finish the games if it's a blowout. Jake. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm aware, but I'm a guy who I just got, I got to find out. And the funny thing was in that, the, so the first drive of that second half, Stanford goes down there and scores a touchdown. And I'm like, oh, are they going to be more competitive? Oh no, they just they manufactured one drive. Okay, great. <laughs> just that was one of those things. Uh, by the way, I'm just seeing this come across. I'm looking at my Twitter timeline. UConn uh, just hired uh, Jim Moore, the former UCLA head coach, the new head coach. They're actually in Clemson, seven to three in the first quarter of their game. Well, we know Clemson has like no offense. I know, but DJ, whatever DJU is not very good. Uyunga Lale. Let's go, DJU. Come on, DJU is much easier to say. There's no doubt about that. But the fact that UConn is up on. Uh, Wow, up on uh, Clemson, a little bit surprised there. All right, so we'll keep you updated throughout the day on this, but I think it's a big game for Utah, and as we mentioned, they win this game, and any loss from Arizona State here on out is going to lock up the Pac-12 South Division title. The other big game in state, because BYU was on a bye this weekend, they are enjoying it finally a week off after 10 weeks of, of action, is Utah State headed to uh, San Jose tonight to face the San Jose State Spartans. The interesting part about this, and Jeremy, I know you do stuff with Mountain West Wire, so you have more of an intel on San Jose than I do, but I correct me if I'm wrong here. Nick Starkle getting hurt really derailed what the Spartans were doing. Totally. They lost a couple receivers, but you saw last week, it was weird because they brought in Nick Nash. Like mm-hmm. They kind of mixed the first quarter. Correct. But when he came in, it's like, oh, it's Nick Starkle. was player of the year, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Yeah. And he, they got to win last week, and... That'll be a big deal. I assume he's going to play the whole time because it's like the or in the depth chart. Like, well, Brent Brennan's like, well, we'll sure. see how it is. But yes. if he's a quarterback the whole time and coupled like Utah State's bad first quarter versus New Mexico State, it'll be it'll be a good game, better game than people think. Because I think Spartans are like a small favorite. It's at home yeah. there, but they just got to stop Devin Tompkins too, which is a tough task, even though the Spartan secondary is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing though. San Jose State, they're a very deceiving five and five on the year, and I, I like tr- trust me, I. I try and keep up with Mountain West stuff, but it felt like San Jose had Starkle not gone down due to injury. You mentioned some of the receiver injuries they had. That hurts them. But when you're the reigning Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year, and that's what Nick Starkle was, Mm -hmm. you lose him, that's going to derail you. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Like you saw last week when he came in, he was good. Like he tried yeah. to play. Like even the USC game is reasonably close to the fourth quarter. They kept him Correct. in the game. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's that good. He'll be an NFL guy. Probably backed up. Draft wise, just because he missed three or four games, but he's that much of a difference maker. Like Isaiah Hamilton's a pretty good. They have um, Derek Deese tight end. Sure, Evan runs the ball, so it'll be a good matchup. It'll be yeah. 
It's not the old San Jose State from like three years ago. No, no, no there's no doubt about that. The, the thing is that, and I'm also with you, Utah State, if they have another one of their typical slow starts in the first quarter, even the first half, with Nick Starkle running the controls of that San Jose State offense, they could run away and hide, it feels like. This game, I could see like 30, 40 points each. Oh, yeah. Because Aggies defense, they have Rice, Justin Rice, a couple of players out there, but like... We saw the Air Force game, man. 100 <laughs> points almost combined. So there's a, and that's Air Force has a good defense too. So yeah, there, a, there's been enough evidence. Stamp late, listen, and or watch the game. Yeah, absolutely. Scott Gerard will have the call tonight. Like I mentioned, 7:30 pregame here on the zone, uh, and then 8:30 kickoff out there at is it what's the name of their stadium anymore? Is it some I, credit? I had union? an issue the other day on this in our podcast, but Sefcu. Sefcu, okay. Because it's C E F C U. So Sefcu Stadium. I'm that, pretty sure that's right. Okay, got it. I I knew it was some credit union out there that had bought the naming rights to it, and it's not a very big stadium, but it, it's. It's a stadium that when San Jose State has been good, you can think back to the Mike McIntyre era before he went to Colorado, and now with what Brett Brennan has built up, people start to show up. And that's the good news for a team like San Jose. If they have a good team, apparently people will actually pay attention to them. Yeah, it was kind of a shame last year. They were so good and nobody came yeah, out of the you, game. It's yeah. like, oh, they're they, finally good. It's they, been They were locked down last year. Like Sam McIntyre, they derailed Fresno State to go to the BCS. That, yep. uh, I my, my buddy is like, that, don't bring up that game ever, that Black Friday game <laughs> when they had, oh, who's their quarterback? He's in the NFL. But, um, um, it was, I know who you're David talking. Fels. David Fells. David Fells, He yes. just lit up cards. like, what's uh-huh. going on, Derek Carr? Whatever, one of the Carr brothers, whoever's there. All right, so we're going to talk more college football in this abbreviated edition of the Saturday show coming up as well. We're also going to let you hear from Boyan Bogdanovich. He spoke to the media after practice yesterday for the Utah Jazz. We'll get to that next. But real quick, New Mexico State 3, Alabama 0. Crazy things are happening in college football, and I don't expect that to hold. But, hey, New Mexico State can say that they held a lead against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Love it. I love it, too. All right, so more in a moment. You're listening to the Saturday show. We are brought to you by our friends over at Mountainland Supply. Locations up and down the Wasatch Front, even like Wyoming. I think they moved into Nevada now. Absolutely love Mountainland Supply. No matter what you're looking for for your home, they've got it for you guys. You can go find a location near you at mountainlandsupply.com. Thank them for being the title sponsor here of the Saturday Show. More in a moment, right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's the weekend! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait, can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Jay Catch, Jeremy Moss, along for the ride on your Saturday mid-morning here. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, as we mentioned earlier, will be the Ute pregame show. Myself will be getting you ready for Utah and Arizona. I'm going to be joined by Frank Dolce as well as Patrick Kinahan, who will be in Tucson covering the game for the station. Uh, some fun getting you ready for that. want to remind you guys that the Saturday show is brought to you by our friends at Mountain Land Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, uh, we're going to talk a little more about Utah Jazz here. And I found this curious yesterday because obviously after the loss to Indiana, the three players being ejected, there was a lot of stuff going on. I found it curious yesterday that Utah Jazz actually practiced and had media availability. This is uh, something that Quinn Snyder typically does when they have an extended homestand where he'll fit in a few more practices. Uh, with the NBA season as is, it's very rare that you practice when you have games every other day. But I wonder if Quinn had a message he wanted to send to his guys as they get ready for this game against Miami. But 
Uh, they practiced yesterday speaking of the Utah Jazz, and Boyan Bogdanovich was one of the players who spoke to the media after practice. And they had some good thoughts on the state of the Jazz right now going into this game against Miami. And another thing you're going to hear in this, I- I'm going to mention this because I was listening to it live when we when we had it yesterday. He's a guy from Europe, and this game is being played today at 3 o'clock, and the, the idea of this is with the NBA is they're playing some of these games mid-afternoon on the weekends here along the, well, here not along, here stateside, so they actually can broadcast them on, uh, I guess, like a featured game in Europe. They, they want to get them into those markets. And a guy like Bogey, he's from Croatia, so obviously he's a European player. You're going to hear an interesting thing from him about what he thinks of being featured in Europe having played there and grown up there. So here you go. Here's Boyan Bogdanovich with the media yesterday. Obviously, a lot of attention last night on kind of the, the late game skirmish, but that also like kind of obscured some of the issues that were going on earlier in the game. What do you feel like um, maybe not has not been working very well? Well, I think that our defense gotta gotta be better, especially especially our transition defense. We gotta be a little bit smarter how to use the fouls, Euro fouls to stop the to stop the the fast break. And then if we don't have our defense set, it's it's easier for for opponent to to attack us. And then if we don't have defensive rebounds, which they hurt us last night, then we cannot run run offensively. So I think that everything. Everything starts with uh, with our transition defense and defense, and, and we gotta we gotta stay more focused and and, and more more aggressive. Probably. Is that maybe like a schematic thing, or is that like a kind of an effort? Because I know, like in the past, Joe has talked about you know even Dante, like you know, it's an effort thing of like making sure we like you know get back at it, or like from a schematic point of view. I mean, it's it's related. Probably, it's it's more effort and, and and focus on on each each individual. But also, if we are turning the ball over offensively, it's it's harder to to run back in in transition. So it's it's. But let's say it's collective effort. Okay. Also on 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 defensive defensive board, it's collective effort. It's not just on a on a bigs. It's on a on a small on me on Royce to to help them. McConnell had five offensive boards last night, so they really hurt us. So it's collective effort defensively, I would say. There's been a lot of kind of outside talk. Obviously, people wondering, you know, why the shooting numbers are a little bit down from where they were a year ago. Do you view that as just, you know, the random cold stretch or is there something going on? With people wondering, like, is there that big a difference with the new ball this year? It might be related to the to the ball. I'm I'm not sure, but I I think that we are all kind of kind of cold. We are not a. Uh, it's tough to play when when you cannot hit a shot. Then our seats are 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 down, and then uh, like I said, if we gotta we gotta secure our defensive board so we can run and have those easy easy threes in 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 transition. We were the best the best three point team last last year. So I don't see I don't see any difference this year, we just have to stay more more focused and then work on our on our shot. So there's go ahead, go ahead. sorry, you feel like you feel like the offense is mostly like exposed to and the guys are getting the looks that you want. I mean I don't I don't see that we are playing any 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 difference. So so it's just shots are not falling falling down and it's twelfth game in the season we changed the the basketball as well. So I hope I hope that we're gonna start to to shoot better and better, and that is going to be easier for for our defense because we can set a defense and get back if we if we hit a shot and in order to turn the ball over or, or have have bad shots.
So a little, you know, kind of away from that, you know, tomorrow's game, three o'clock being broadcast all over Europe. Is that kind of something special for you a little bit? Just, you know, being an international player and knowing like this is the premier game for them? Uh, not much anymore. Not much anymore? Uh, used to uh, Not much. Yeah. I'm already in my eighth <laughs> year, so I was excited my first year, second year right now. It's yeah. not anymore. <laughs> Just to touch on one little thing I, I kind of brought up in passing area. Have you noticed the difference with the ball going from the going from the Spalding to Wilson? I mean, they look like pretty pretty new. I mean, it's it's new ball, but grip grip is different. But uh, but I I don't want to blame the ball. It's no, just we are shooting. I, I know, yeah. But we are just shooting. We are just shooting bad right now. We are cold. I saw that all those numbers around the league is a little bit is a little bit down. So it's might be related to the ball. But I'm uh, I don't want to I don't want to get it. No, I was, not no, 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 yeah, no. I'm just I wondering if there's, if there's yeah. like an actual physical difference yeah. that you've noticed or not. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you say to a guy like Jared who, you know, had such a great summer league, great preseason, and then, you know, gets into the regular season and, and going up against NBA guys all the time and, and the learning experience and now kind of going back and forth between the, the main roster and the stars. What do you What do you say to a guy like that to kind of, you know, Make sure that he, he stays encouraged. He just got, he got a he's encouraged. He got a he's he's a great player. We, we know all that we can we can see it on uh during the during the practices. But that's what it is for rookies. He got to stay patient. He got a he's really he's a great player. So he will get his his chance. And just one other thing, we were talking to Joe a week ago about um, the shooting drills that he does with Rudy. Joe's bragging that. You know, he beats Rudy nine times out of ten. Who's the best practice shooter? Practice shooter out of, out of any of you guys. <laughs> if, you're, if you're if you're putting that group, I'll say Joe. I'll say Joe. I'll say Joe. He's not beating me, but I'll say Joe. Out of Rudy is Joe, right? Joe, 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 Joe. But not against you. If if you and Joe are going up against each other ten times, how's it going? I'm not sure. We never try, so we might try the next couple of days. <laughs> There you go, Boyan Bogdanovich. Well, apparently he is the best practice shooter if you put him and Joe Ingles together. But hey, I, I, and you mentioned this, Jeremy, right before we came back. You and I, I'm with you on this. We want to see Rudy Gobert attempt a three and make a three in an NBA game. Yeah, we talk about unrivaled. He had like I think a preseason game. He was so close. Yeah. It's like just take one giant step back and make it. <laughs> Be fun. Uh, people would lose their minds if Rudy made a three. But uh, fun things. Uh, it's kind of interesting to hear Boyan. Okay, my first or second year being on TV in Europe was a big deal, but he's like, I'm in my eighth year. Yeah, whatever. It's yeah, kind of yeah. funny. I, and maybe that's just because of the proliferation of the NBA anymore. We can, and Jeremy, you're around my age, if I'm not mistaken. We can remember back to the dream team like, and how important that was for expanding the horizons of the NBA in the 90s. Yeah, and my buddy taking TV during church to watch the Sunday Olympic Games, a yeah. little black and white and a little book over there. It's like, hey, I'm watching <laughs> USA versus whoever went by 50, but I don't care. Yeah, it's exactly. Dream team. <laughs> yeah, seeing that type of stuff. I, maybe in the last, I guess in the last thirty years, the proliferation of the NBA because it's truly a global game. You can think about how many guys are coming in the NBA draft each year. It seems like there's a bunch of prospects from here stateside. Canada's got a huge influx of players, and a lot of them are playing in the college game here I and mean, in the draft. But then globally, Australia, Africa, Europe—they're all sending guys the best talent, and there is a glut of talent in the NBA right now. Well, so it's interesting to talk. Look at the Olympic teams. There was at least oh. every team had probably. At least two or three players. Well, okay, and the Multiple. funny thing is, is the one that was like the weakest, quote unquote, was the Luca-led Slovenian team. 
Like, Which is weird because they usually have a ton of players. Yeah, so it was just kind of interesting. Yeah, you're right. There's just a lot of them out there. Um, so very interesting to hear Boyan talk about. Like, we're playing the exact same in my mind. The shots just aren't falling right now. That that's what they're looking for. They they're 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 trying to get those shots to fall. And as I kind of said in the open of today's show, I think that the the Jazz they need to keep doing what they're doing. And but if there are nights where the shot is not falling. Don't be afraid to change things up. And this probably is something that Quinn Snyder will probably adjust to because he's a very, very brilliant coach. He's proven that during his time here as the head coach of the Utah Jazz. I think he he understands, okay, if the three-point shot is not going to fall, we need to find new ways to manufacture buckets. We need to get to the rim, uh, get those easy twos, and hopefully that will unlock the riddle that is the three-point shooting for the Utah Jazz. And I know it's much easier said than done to talk about this with the Utah Jazz, but it's something you need to see happen. You heard Bogey talk about the fact that they were the best transition three shooting team last year in the NBA, and he thinks that they can get back to it. He said, we're still getting the looks we've always gotten. We just need to get them to fall. So very interesting things. I did also want to take a moment here in this segment before we take another break and talk a little bit about some college hoops last night. And I thought there was a big win for Utah State going on the road across country. They go to Annapolis to play the Richmond Spiders, who are actually a very, very good team. And Justin Bean has a career-high 30 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, you heard this game here on The Zone if you were listening last night. Uh, they beat the Richmond Spiders 85-74. to So Utah State now 1-1 one one on the season after losing to UC Davis in their home opener on Tuesday night. And other action around the state, uh, Dixie State actually beat a very high-powered Southern Utah team on their home court down there at Burns Arena in St. George. Uh, the Trailblazers winning 83-76. to Hunter, I, I believe it's Schofield. Hopefully I'm pr- pronouncing that correctly. It might be Schofield. But Schofield, 29 points in that game. Dre Marin uh, led Southern Utah with 19 points in that rivalry game down there in St. George. And then probably in the most impressive win locally last night. Oh, I also I glossed over Utah Valley. They crushed Antelope Valley in NAIA school, 82-48. to Farda's AMAC. Uh, 25 points, 15 rebounds, continuing his start, to the, his hot start to the season. But then the then the BYU Cougars they welcomed San Diego State into the Marriott Center last night. I was down there at that game, as was Mitch Harper from KSLSports.com, and we were kind of talking after the game. This was an impressive win, and BYU beats SDSU 66 to 60. And Jeremy, I know that you, as we mentioned earlier on, you do Mountain West Wire, Mountain, and you do a lot of stuff with these Mountain West teams. What was your takeaway from BYU beating San Diego State on their home court? Well, it's always a good. It's always a good game. Like they play almost every year now. Yes, There's always, you see the articles come out. Jim or Kawhi from what is it? Twelve years ago now. Yeah. It's a long but time. It they, doesn't matter. They played the last four years straight. They play a lot. It's yeah. always a good competition. These teams are pretty comparable where they mm-hmm. end up. Like top three of their conference, usually a yes. fringe state tournament team. Like they had what did they Mensa last night had almost twenty points. He's a real big guy for San Diego State, but mm-hmm. Cougars they. They've been getting guys like um, all the recruits have been coming like last year. They have all these guys coming in. And they're, it's just always a good barometer early on because you mentioned who Utah Valley played. It's like, okay, whatever. You're playing NAIA, but playing a good team like Utah State, playing Richmond, and uh-huh. pretty good team. Getting that early test, we don't launch. Remember years ago when, with Utah, they are playing St. Catherine or playing all these <laughs> weird teams. Like They yeah. play back-to-back like on the road two games. So playing a team like San Diego State – who could win the Mountain West to be up there? Mm-hmm. You want those competitive games because in the West Coast Conference, you got Gonzaga, St. Mary's, sometimes San Francisco, sure. stuff like that are good. So getting these good games out there, it's a good Brommer stick because their defense is always really good with Brian Dutcher there. Oh yeah, and low, no, nobody's surprised nobody's got got to seventy. So it's a it's a high quality win. It could end up being like a Q one victory to help them out because they not that BYU. They, you're in the West Coast Conference. You only have a couple of those a year. You're not gifted the ACC twenty oh, no, Q one no, no, no. game. So any time you can get a Q one Q two game. 
it's a good victory, and it's a good test for what they got going on and when they play Gonzaga in our Bales League play. Well, and that's the thing, BYU. So they they played Cleveland State, who is the defending Horizon League champions in their season opener, and they beat the the Vikings in that game. Big win for them in that regard because uh, Cleveland State's expected to be a NCAA tournament team. It probably won't become a Q one win for them, but that's a Q two win probably if what we expect from Cleveland State is. You mentioned San Diego State. This is a defensive juggernaut of a team. I, I was watching that game last night, and they were stuck in the 50s for most of the second half, it felt like, because these two teams are just absolutely getting after it. The physicality of this game was very impressive. You mentioned Nathan Mensa. I thought he had a fantastic game. 18 points to pace San Diego State, 8 rebounds. Alex Barcelo leading BYU with 17 points, 3 assists for him. And I actually felt like Alex Barcelo was a little too passive at points in last night's game. I, I felt like he needed to take over a little bit, but closed well. Uh, T. John uh, Lucas combined with Barcelo for 30 points. He had 13 points of his own as BYU wins that game. So some big victories. I thought Utah State going on the road cross-country to Annapolis for just a one-game deal. I, and I I was mistaken about this, Jeremy. I thought this was like part of like a weekend worth of things. No, it was one game. They went to Annapolis, and they're coming right yeah, back. because it was, what, a 4.30 local tip? Something yeah, like that? 4 o'clock 4 o'clock? Yeah. I'm like, I see the guys here. I'm like, what are you guys doing? I thought, like, last year they had the, you know, this tournament you play yeah. Friday afternoon, Saturday, sure. midday. We also barely lead Justin Bean 30 points, man. Come oh, yeah. On. yeah. Go to Taco Time and get his burrito there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Taco Time, good point. Career-high 30 points and 14 rebounds. Justin Bean has been a walking double-double machine his entire time he's been at Utah State. But that career-high in 30 points, they needed every one of them. If I saw correctly, he played 39 of the 40 minutes in this game. They'll need it. Oh, they, they need it. Ryan Day, what do you like? To, like If you saw with South Dakota State, what they can do, yeah. running, scoring, ton of points, uh-huh. he wants to do that, so he got to be in good shape. It's going to be running gun. There's no doubt about it that so very impressive win and then one other game uh, tonight uh, Utah is in action tonight they'll be hosting Sacramento State up at the Huntsman Center taking on the Hornets uh, this should be an interesting game because Booth Gotch yesterday received his uh, immediate eligibility his waiver from the NCAA to be immediately eligible to play for Utah so he only missed one game ultimately this year uh, the win over uh, Abilene Christian, I was forgetting the name for a second, ACU Abilene Christian on Tuesday night. But uh, it'll be Sacramento State and Utah tonight. That's 7.30 tip-off on the Pac-12 networks if you want to watch that. Big opportunity. Sacramento State's an okay team out of the big sky. Utah should move to 2-0. And good to see Booth Gotch getting back on the court for the Utes. All right, coming up in a moment, we will wrap up the Saturday show, an abbreviated edition with one of our staples. We're going to get it to technical fouls next right here on the Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. And if you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show. As you heard, it is time for technical fouls as we round out an abbreviated edition of the Saturday show. And the interesting thing about this is technical fouls each week. And Jeremy, I think you're new to this show. I don't know how if you ever heard the show, but what we do is we reward people for being stupid. That's essentially why we do this. Thing. Love it. And Love that, it. <laughs> and there, trust me, there's a lot. And sometimes it's stuff that people have done that's stupid, but there's other things that just 
unfortunate situations. So let's put it this way. So up in Canada, we all know that hockey is the national sport up there. They're, they're, the Canucks, they absolutely love their hockey. Well, apparently the COVID-19 pandemic has led to a shortage of referees for youth hockey games across Canada, according to a senior hockey official. Upwards of 30% of most officials are unavailable this year to, to referee youth hockey games across Canada. And we know the youth hockey leagues up there are gigantic. So the big thing, who's replacing them? That's where you're getting to, I'm betting. Well, no, no, no. That's the thing, though. Oh. They, that, that's the problem is that this is a bad deal. So uh, so British Columbia, they've seen a 30% drop in the number of registered referees as compared to last season. Okay. So here's my question. Um, where are they going? Where are they, like... What happened? Because they're saying Quebec and Ontario have seen even more stark drops of youth hockey re- officials of over 50%. I'll tell you this. I officiate water polo around here. Sure. And I've gone to a lot of different places. Uh-huh. And you know how to do sports parents typically. Yeah. Because I had I did the real quick, like the state championship a couple weeks ago. And the whole weekend, semifinals and championship game had to, you know, soccer, three red cards had to give out in two games. Oh, jeez. Because assistant coaches going crazy. <laughs> okay, so we're technical foul on all these parents then. Yeah, I had to kick okay. a parent out one time. There's, in water polo? There was a fight, a sort of a little bit. Like, the parent was funny. It was, I'll be quick. Okay. Because assistant coaches can't really stand up and do anything. Uh-huh. One assistant coach stands up and yells, like, what is that? He's, like, all the way across the pool, like, 30 yards the other way. Can't see. Oh, my goodness. It's such an instant because you can't do it. So once yeah. it calms down, some parent from the other team yells, get a life. I'm like, get out of here. I'm like, oh, it, <laughs> it's part partially that, that sure. those type of things. But it could be not paying well enough. It's a contact yeah. sport. You're close to all these people. It's probably a combination of those type of things, parents and not enough pay. It's not worth it sometimes. Yeah. Or it's like, yeah, it's time to stop because there's not many games around. Well, it's just, it, it's stunning to me because we all know how big hockey is up there. And like to have 50% of your officials, it's actually causing uh, matches, uh, you know, matches, uh, hockey games to be canceled in the youth leagues. And that's unfortunate. It is. So, yeah. But really, water polo? Yeah. I played in college. Like, I, don't, I know you played yeah. in college. I still but, make a few bucks. My kids play. Yeah. I'm like, but. You're having to kick parents out. Only to, I did do it two times. Okay. One in California was a 10U game. Oh, jeez. 10U. <laughs> and they're like, it's too physical. I'm like, we're calling elbows and little yeah. kids flail. But the one last weekend, she just stood up and it's like, fine, I'm getting out of here. But there is one I didn't see where they came to talk to us. Like, there's parents shuffling. George Olympus High School, and they're like above seating. Yeah. So it's not like they're behind sure. us. So yeah. I don't see. And like, I'm like, well, we'll go talk to who's in charge. But this is the only few times I had to do it. Usually it's them. Yelling something dumb like the one lady, it calmed down. We're about to start. She yells, Get a life. I'm like, Oh no. I'm like, Get okay. out of here. She grabs her stuff and leaves. <laughs> we just stumbled into a great technical foul. Technical foul on water polo parents. That's what we're going with. And coaches. And coaches, short. Yeah, coaches. Well, <laughs> coaches are a little more understandable because they're actually invested in the game. Like they're coaching in said matches. But yeah, when there's a little shoving or fighting, I don't think it's serious, but it was just yeah. kind of games were changing. I heard all I heard was like there's an elbow, whatever. It's just nothing severe, but it got taken care of by who was in charge of the facility. But yeah, parents are usually up there. Crazy. I try to be nice. My kids play. I'm like, I'm just sitting there because yeah. I know the rules pretty well. I'm like, sure. I'll be quiet. They'll talk yeah. to me after. I'm like, this was okay. No, that wasn't great, but they're new. Let them learn yeah. and stuff. But it's. Uh, it could be a, a thing sometimes. Oh, youth parents behaving badly. All right. Anyways, that's that's a good way to end this. Technical foul on youth sports parents because trust me, I, I've seen my fair share of basketball. I, but I didn't know water polo. Wow, that's 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 a new one for me. Yeah, they're just young. Like you can't give a red card. I'm like the coach can't stand up and yell. Assistant coach, you guys just gotta be quiet. You're, yeah. It's like an NBA. If any assistant coach goes crazy, they're out. Oh, yeah, they, they get no warning. No. Yeah. No, hey, sit down. You're done. Head coaches have, are, are they're very explicit when they tell their assistant coaches. 
you don't get kicked out. Yeah. You, don't, you don't say anything. Let me handle it. Yeah, we'll talk to the coach. You'll yeah. get like their yellow card or kind of their warning, which is yeah. literally nothing essentially. But sure. don't you can't stand up and talk. Oh, man. All right, so there you go. That is the Saturday show coming up next. We get you ready for Utah and Arizona in the U pregame show. Jake Scott just wandered in. He's going to join us for the U pregame show. Obviously, he'll have Utah Jazz coverage later this afternoon as the Utah Jazz take on the Miami Heat. And also a reminder for you guys, later tonight, Utah State, San Jose State. So a busy day ahead here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great out there. And thank you for joining us here on the Saturday show presented proudly by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you for, for at mountainland.com. For Jeremy, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your Saturday, and we'll talk to you here in just a couple minutes for the U pregame show right here on the Zone Sports Network.